we are stretching, stretching old muscles this early Friday morning. It's a little bit of a throwback. It's something I've been promising, have not been delivering. We got right at the tippy top of the podcast. We got a little bit of a wine review. Yeah, bring back that old feeling, right? Welcome to the Sick Palette Podcast. I'm your host, Deepa Shreeder. And every week, what we do here, we talk about three things that are mostly food adjacent. They're food adjacent, food and drink adjacent. Around the Venn diagram of food and drink. Um, got a slew of new subscribers this week. Welcome, welcome. And, uh, you know, just wanted to kind of give you the lay of the land. This podcast is deeply chaotic, hectic, and um, I try to format it and I fail every time. Let's get into it. We have no time to waste. First thing we're discussing, we're discussing a wine. I know, I know. Remember when this was every week and it won't be. So don't get used to it. But this past week, I had a wine that just gave me that podcast tingle. Okay? Spider-Man has the hairs, right? Kind of goes shoot straight up when he senses that there's danger. That's me except for wine when I'm like, oh my God. I need a podcast about this wine. (laughs) So last week, I step into Golden Hour, which is really a a very important haunt for me. Um, It has everything I really want in the mornings, great coffee if I'm not running over to my parents' house for a cup of coffee. You can you can shoot over to Golden Hour. Great vibes. Uh, in the evening, if you just need a delicious red wine by the glass, they've got it. Their by the glass menu is is always filled with heavy hitters. So, anyways, I go in there with Alex, as I do most things in life, right? With Alex. And um we we are looking for a bottle of wine to have with some dinner, okay? And Evan, one of the owners of Golden Hour, knows that I'm partial, knows that I'm partial to Loire Valley. And and you know, in my journey of trying to figure out wine in general and what kind of wine drinker I am, I, I really have become a cliche. And sometimes cliches are cliche for a reason. Typically, if you are drinking something from Loire Valley, it's just going to be bumping. It just is. It's the minerality you want. It's that clean finish. It's it's the fact that no matter what temperature, it, it's truly true. No matter what temperature I have a glass of wine, 
from Loire Valley. En Francais, okay? For some reason, it always tastes like a delicious cold glass of something. I don't know how else to explain it. But it, there's just something, it's like drinking silk. Okay? So anyways, we get a bottle from Laura Valley that Evan is like, listen, this is, I stand by this, 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 I believe will, will, will pass the, this is, this is what we like. So Bruno, Bert and Co. Okay. It's, it's a hundred percent, I believe, Co. Grapes. C-O-T. So when you see Co and it's, it's um, you know, in adjacent to, to a bottle from France or Loire Valley, if you want to be more specific, um, what that means, what that means essentially is that it is Malbecian. <laughs> Malbecian, okay? So that just means that um, Co. I think what happened, and by what happened is my light Wikipedia, is um, Co. grapes were at some point in history ended up in Argentina, right? And Argentina became a huge proponent of Malbec wine. So Co. equals Malbec. Just keep that in mind. So what you're drinking when you're having this particular bottle is fizzy, natural wine take on a really good bottle of Malbec. So take all of that in and just know how special that is, right? Fizzy Malbec is what you're having. And it's as delicious as you think it would be. If you're into Malbecs, and by the way, who is not into Malbecs? It's, it's honestly one of the most likable grapes, right? Um, but you're wanting something that is getting rid of any sort of that, that tannin-like quality. This is the bottle for you. It just sort of smooths it out. Fizz, for some reason, smooths it out, okay? So it's a juicy, it's a clean wine with a little bit of fizz at the morning. I mean, <laughs> I'm reading my notes and it says slight fizz. And even in this morning, I can still remember the taste of it. It's memorable. So <laughs> slight fizz in the morning was me reading that. Not that I have decided to drink a glass of this wine at, what is it? Five, five in the morning on Friday. No. Uh, unfortunately, it's just, it's just water, water next to me. My treat after this podcast on Friday mornings is coffee. So anyways, does it pass the Tamron test? Yes, absolutely does. Tamron test, if we are not familiar, if this is your first podcast, basically for my wine reviews, the litmus test here is does it go with tamarind? And the reason why we go with tamarind is not only is it prevalent in a lot of South Indian food, but 
I find it to be such a good barometer in general of seeing how well a wine does with highly acidic flavors. At the same time, if you want to pair it with something sweet or something a little bit punchy, something that has savory notes, tamarind has it all. So if a wine can be paired with that strong, acidic, tangy, sweet, sour flavor that tamarind comes with, um, and typically, typically, not all the time, but typically that's a red wine, then you've got a wine that's going to do really well at a dinner party, is my theory, essentially. Right? Like if you're wanting to bring a bottle with you, especially these holidays, right? Like you've got holiday parties to go to, you've got Thanksgiving to go to, and you're trying to figure out, well, what should I bring to the table? If your wine can pass the tamarind test, that's a surefire wine that's going to do well on most dinner tables. See how that goes? So this particular wine, you, okay, here's the thing though. If you show up at my Thanksgiving with this bottle and you have the nerve to only bring one of them, this is one of those bottles that you have to bring two to your guest. One is not enough. It's just, it's so drinkable. It's so clean. It's so perfect, right? It's just does so well, not only in this like colder climate we're about to get into. I'm trying not to trigger myself and go real into weather. Not going to go there. Not today. We do, we simply do not have the time. Um, if you are going to bring something, but at the same time you want something to feel party-esque, you want it to be fun, you want it to be memorable, this is the bottle. This is the bottle. Also, do not run up my stash, though, at Golden Hour, okay? I know y'all. I will talk about a wine I really love, and then I, like an idiot, as I'm doing right now, I will tell you where to get it in Austin, Texas. Then I go and get myself that bottle, and lo and behold, they have that bottle no more. I, listen, that's a good thing. I know it's a good thing. But goddamn. Anyways, this is a bottle that you will have to bring twice with you to your friend's Thanksgiving. And then, and then you've done it right. Anyways, this bottle, whew, you will not be disappointed. It's Beautifully made, small batch. Uh, it's got all the elements you like. Kooky winemaker, great wine importer, all the things we look for. It's got it all and then some and a little bit of fizz on top. Bruno, Burt, and Co. Get Co. C-O-T, 2021. Malbec-esque, Malbecian. It's delicious. It's great. Let's get into thing two. Thing two. Let's get into thing two. Only took me five times. <laughs> thing two. Huge announcement. 
huge. Did you know that having and owning and operating restaurants? Very tricky. Very tricky. A, a thing I hope to never have to do in my life. Truly. Uh, never say never. Uh, that's uh, the, the, As I get older, I realize all of my absolutes are shit. But that's not what I want to talk about. That's not the thing, too. What I will say, though, is I can, I can say restaurants, the restaurant industry in itself is a gamble. It's tricky. It's difficult. If you're bobbing and weaving and making it through, God help you. Um, it's, not, it's not easy. So I get it. I get, I get why this happens. I do. But I, I think it's a trend that I'm excited to see gone. Because I feel like right now this is the trend. This is the move. Um, and it mostly it seems to be happening from New York to Austin. So let me, let, let's get into it. So I would say for the past two years, and I'm not going to name restaurants just because, listen, then we're getting into, then we're getting into the area of like, oh, we are, we are shit talking. And, and more so I actually have, I think it has less to do with the actual restaurant and the restaurant groups and more to do with the concept, the whole idea of it. Okay. So. I would say, and like I said, I see it mostly from New York to Austin. There's there's a couple Californias in there. Look it up on your own time. But the idea that you can create a successful brand, a successful restaurant in one city, and then take that same restaurant and sort of say, hey, now let's put it in a place where the culture is completely different. Completely different. And should work. And, and, and here's the thing. I think it's a lot more... Um, it's probably actually a lot more successful when you're doing a New York restaurant to LA, an LA restaurant to New York. Not saying those cities are similar. But what... I would say is the expectations are probably similar. Let me explain. Austin is a very tricky city because Austin is a food city. It is. You know, people people come here to eat. We know that. Totally know that. However, it is not like your food city. It is not New York City. It is not LA. The expectations are vastly different. Vastly different. Okay? One thing we're, we're I'm being very real here, and I'm, I shout out to a lot of amazing um, servers and front of house people. Seriously. I mean, I have one of the best front of house 
managers, I'm biased, but I, I have one for my monthly dinner series at the training kitchen. There's a lot of great service here. But I would say the majority of Austin culture, if you're looking at it face value, the majority of it, we are not known for the type of service you would be getting in Chicago, you would be getting in New York, you would be getting in LA. And I would also argue that it's kind of nice that in Austin, that's not necessarily what it's known for. So I'm, I'm, I'm using this as the example because last night, went to a restaurant with my friends and um, it was one of those restaurants that has and is doing very well. It is a New York City restaurant that has opened up shop here in downtown Austin. A lot of fanfare over it. And mm, it was one of those things where I was like, Man, I can see, I can see this restaurant in New York City. Damn, wish I didn't have to taste it in Austin. Um, and I'll tell you why. First off, I, I went with a group of people who are very familiar with the restaurant in Austin. I went, I went with my my friend Jess, who's incredible, she truly is like, she's just one of those people that understands food and understands what good food is. She has, she has taste. Okay. There's a lot of food out there. There's a lot of people who know where the trendy spots are, but having taste is rare. And she's one of those that has taste. She just has it. Some people have it. Some people don't. She has it. Um, and the, the first thing that was jarring, I think in her experience was that this restaurant had a completely different vibe in New York, right? It, because it was built originally in New York, it was conceived. A lot of what's happening here in Austin is that you will find, um, you'll find a restaurant that is basically taking over an old space, right? It's a restaurant that has existed thriving in a different city and now is just sort of moving into a space that was never meant to be this restaurant. So that's that in itself is jarring, right? And it also kind of feels a little ghoulish, right? Because what what that is behind it is that there was a restaurant before this restaurant that either went out of business, didn't do well, couldn't pay rent. There's a lot there, right? And now you're in the space and now you're trying to, you're trying to make it work here. Um, and, and for that reason, it's already a little bit feeling zombified. You know, it's got zombie vibes, right? It, it, it just, it's, it's not quite... It's not quite organic. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the food. I'm talking about like, it's, it's just not uh, of, of the earth, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, the other thing is that 
if you're bringing dishes that work for New York, they they had something that I I in in all honesty, we ordered something that I was like, first off, if you're in Austin, Texas, there are certain things you don't need to order. I just I just don't need to have it. Listen, I I understand that the world has gotten smaller. I understand that it's it's easier to get things that are, you know, like Maine lobster is is not is not as difficult to get here in Hi Bagheera. He's always got to do a cameo. Um here in Austin. I still don't want it in Austin. I don't want lobster in Austin. There's no reason for me to have lobster in Austin. I truly don't want it. Don't need it. No, thank you. Okay, I want to have, when I'm in Austin, I want to have stuff from the Gulf. I just do. Okay, rare exception with oysters because, come on, oysters are dope. But also, um, it's, it's about also execution, right? A lot of times with oysters, you just got to clean them well and pop them open. And if you're trying to cook lobster here where maybe not everyone on the planet in Austin, Texas knows how to cook lobster, then we're talking about execution. We're talking about line cooks coming in and coming out of your restaurant that you're trying to say, hey, this is the lobster dish. You would be much, it's a better bet instead to say, hey, this is the steak dish. It doesn't mean that they won't fuck it up. But what it does mean is that you're giving something where people who are trying to make money in this industry, who might have to moonlight somewhere else, right? Who might be cooking at other restaurants. You're able to then use the skill that they're perhaps using at another restaurant in your place. That's not going to happen if you have a whole ass lobster on your, you know, menu and there's just not as many places that have that. So that's the other thing. It's it's just culturally weird. It's weird to see, it was jarring. It was jarring for me to be like, okay, we're there's the lobster. Ooh, okay, let's get it. By the way, lobster was horrible. I didn't even taste it. One of our, one of the people we were dining with, an incredible woman, was able to rustle it out of the shell and it was not coming out of the shell easily. That's enough to tell me, woo, tough, overcooked lobster. Truly a horrible, horrible thing to have taste, to, to have tasted. I've tasted it like twice in my life. And I said to myself, never again, Deepa Shreeder. You're never going to have that again. Once again, this is not a knock on the actual restaurant. I would say most of the food was pretty good. But it's just, it's, it's just not very exciting. When I'm going out to eat in Austin, I was excited because of the sort of branding and I've heard really good things. But when I'm really excited about going out to eat, in Austin, I want something that feels like the place, right? It's, it, it, it had no business being here in Austin, Texas. 
And I, I wish them the best. Who knows? Maybe they're going to like take a look at this and be like, guys, the branding can be the same, but we need to come up with a whole new different look for Austin, Texas. We need to have a different menu. We need to source differently. We need this to be the version that only exists in this city. And that takes a lot more work. And that's basically building a whole new concept under the same name. But that's what it takes. The only person who I have seen who have been who's been able to do it seamlessly. Listen, I hate to say it. I don't hate to say it, but it's true. It's Danny Meyer. And we're not talking, you know, I Shake Shack is not fine dining. But my God, they understood what it took, right? Shake Shack is a, it's, it's New York based, right? And I remember the opening of it because he invited, first of all, he threw a huge like industry only party and basically created a whole new menu that only existed for Austin. And that probably took a lot more work than just saying, hey, this is not fine dining. This is, uh, this is fast food. Here's Shake Shack in Austin. They could have been like in and out. They could have totally done it. But instead took the time. And that Shake Shack is always bumping off of South Lamar. And with good reason. Because... It feels like it belongs in that spot, right? It, it feels like you're getting something that resonates with the culture in Austin. Let me go back to my point of servers. I realized I never like covered that. I just was like dogging a little bit on Austin service in general. That's not what I meant to say. We're a lot more casual here, right? And... Uh, walking into this space that was trying to be like this New York swanky sort of feel. Um, and then just seeing like servers, right? As they rightly should, by the way, with like, you know, a UT shirt and just like basically being Austin servers and, it it was, it's never felt jarring in other places. It felt jarring here because that's not what New York is about. It just isn't. This is why I love going out to eat in Austin because when you're going out to eat in Austin, you are probably going to get a server who is a lot more casual and can speak to you about the food and speaks to the vibe of the place. It matches. It just doesn't match here. It felt like I was walking into a gutted out carcass and someone was like, yeah, we, we, we essentially are meant to be in this space where, where this whole new restaurant concept, it just felt jarring. It felt weird. It, it felt dystopian.
So I don't know. Maybe that means that transplant restaurant groups might need to work harder. But yeah, work harder if that's what you want to do. I don't know. I don't know. It just, I would rather have this restaurant, this same restaurant. I would rather see what they can do in New York. Because in Austin, it just felt weird. Thing three, let's get to it. Thing three is a little bit of a PSA. And it's a PSA for maybe some selfish reasons. But, you know, it's still it's still worth saying. Okay, so next week, next week is Thanksgiving. And then, and then we just snowball. You know how it goes. We snowball into Christmas parties, holiday parties, uh, Christmas dinner, Christmas brunch, New Year's Day, New Year's brunch. It, it just continues, right? And for, for, for people that are of my ilk, it started Navratri. It started, we started in October. Navratri, then Diwali. Now we get into the American holidays. You know, like, it's just Q4. Q4 is rife with hosting. Okay? And the thing that happens is everyone starts to get a little less cool. Everyone just starts at a different temperature and it sucks. It just does. It's, it sucks to be around. And the reason, I would say the biggest reason for people suddenly being a little bit more miserable when they're having to host, hosting is hard, number one. Number two, there is that unspoken pressure. Food, listen, food and tradition is a beautiful thing. It is. But it shouldn't be like handcuffs, right? And we, we've got to break the cycle. I think instead of holidays are meant to sort of execute you know, your grandmother's traditional mashed potatoes, which are probably delicious, not saying they're not. I would like to propose that the holidays are rife for experimentation. I think we should all just sort of jostle ourselves from being truly the stuffiest humans on the planet and just go for experimentation this year. Because what it's, what it's going to do is even though it will be maybe scary for the person cooking, it's not like your relatives are not going to eat it, right? All they're going to do is side-eye it. And then if this is just something you do every year and more people follow suit, then what happens is that everyone loosens up, right? So 
I'm not saying don't make your grandmother's traditional mashed potatoes. Let me be clear here. I'm saying that if you want to, not that you have to, I'm not saying you have to experiment. I'm saying if you want to do something different, do it with boldness. Do it with fucking gusto. You know what I'm saying? Just look at the thing on its face and say, instead of adding sour cream, I'm adding yogurt. Instead of doing da-da-da, I'm doing this. And just live in it. Just like have a good time in it. You know? Because it's bullshit. It's, it's already hard to host. Okay? Take the food out of the equation. And I know everyone. Let's say you have people staying over. Right? You have to clean your whole house to the nth degree. Okay, I, I mean, I'm assuming we all clean our houses, but like you really got to clean your house. You know what I mean? You got to like deep clean the shit out of your house. You got to make sure they feel comfortable. You got to make sure that there's no reason for them to talk shit. And then on top of that, you got to execute great food that they are used to having every year. What the fuck? It's too much. It's just too much. I say you, you take a little bit of that pressure off, relieve some air from those tires and just go forth in your Thanksgiving prep, in your holiday prep, all with id. All id, baby. No ego. All id. Go strong in that current and just see what happens. You know? Make, like, let's say, let's say that your family makes Thanksgiving biryani, right? And you're saying to yourself, you know what? I want to make it super Thanksgiving. And I'm going to add cranberries and wild rice to it. Do it. Do it. Who's going to stop you? What are they going to say? This is not this. No shit, Sherlock. Great job. We know. Old relatives of yours pointing out that the thing you're not making is not like the thing that has been being served on their tables for years and years and years. That's just observation. So what? So what? So what? I'm just saying, just do it. I think what it does, it changes the vibe. It changes the vibe And we can all stop being stuffy little bitches. Okay. (laughs) I think I'm done. (laughs) I think I'm done with the podcast. So, guys, a few things, though. A little housekeeping. Okay, right before we end all of this. Um, The very, very last menu of 2023... For the Million Texan Kitchen, a.k.a. Sick Palette with the Training Kitchen collab, um, is going to be in December. And those dates are open. I'm so excited about this menu. It is, it is I feel like, a real good culmination of, 
of the flavors I've been gravitating towards this year. It is South Indian Mexican food that hopefully I do some justice to. We've got Kerala-inspired tamales on there. We've got pozole meeting vengayam, uh, corimba. Like, it's a very exciting menu. Please check it out. And if you're wanting to shake shit up, go ahead and, you know, reserve reserve seats for you and your pals. Like I said, it's the last one of the year. So why not, right? The other thing that I am so excited in the same vein of essentially shaking shit up. Um, I'm just incredibly grateful for the opportunity and just sort of can't believe that it's like already here. But uh, my first digital series with um, Identity Productions has uh, debuted yesterday. Yesterday was the first episode. Um, It's called Kandipa Texan, and essentially it is South Indian Texan food, the kind of food I like to make. And the first episode out is my cast iron biryani. So the biryani has been on my mind just because I've been like reposting and um, just having to see countless videos of me making biryani. And thank you so much already for the people who have viewed it, shared it, liked it. I am just so grateful for all the people who are helping me spread the word. But uh, below is the link to the first episode. Please watch it. It's a long one. It's a doozy. We decided to like just go, you know, long and strong with it. And subsequently, every Thursday, every Thursday at noon, a new episode is dropping for the next eight weeks. So help me get those numbers up. View it. Show it to your friends. Let them know. South Indian Texan food is here. Let's let's spread the word, y'all. Okay, guys. Thank you for all of the support. And I will talk to y'all next week. Yes, Bagheera says goodbye as well. He'll talk to you next week.